and welcome back to another episode of Voice of X. Uh, sorry for the time between episodes, but unfortunately, life happens, and I wasn't able to get to this podcast um, until now. So uh, anyway, I hope everyone's doing well. I wanted to announce that I'm making another slight change to the podcast as I just kind of try to feel my way out as to what people like. Um, but from here on out, I'm going to be shortening them substantially. Um, also, while they will still contain my opinion based on logic and facts, there's also going to be a little bit more emotion brought to each episode, and it's going to contain really what I simply am going to have to call a rant. Uh, my rant on certain things uh, going on in society today. So, um, not, not always, of course, but the truth is that these topics are actually topics that concern me greatly, and uh, they even get me a little hot under the collar. In fact, quite often they do. Uh, I've tried the, so far just to be kind of political about how I present them, um, but I think the time for niceties has kind of passed. Things need to change people, and that's just the way it is. Uh, there just doesn't seem to be that much common sense in the world. So, Also, be ready for some more benign topics coming up, um, really just about things that I like, and I hope you like them too. And if you don't, then don't listen to that episode. <laughs> So anyway, today's topic, like I think I had said before, is going to be on the high cost of housing, especially here in California, which is all covered because that's where I live. So, okay, so now I know that Hawaii has the highest state average, but there are several parts of California that make Hawaii look like chump change. All right. As the state goes, California ranks third um, with Hawaii being number one, but among the most expensive cities. San Jose comes in number one with a median house home price of $1.1 million. Number two is San Francisco with a median home price of $860,000. LA is number three at $634,000. And only then do we get to Honolulu with a median price of $600,000. Uh, but then we jump right back to California with Oxnard and San Diego next in line. But you kind of get the picture here that housing prices in California are through the roof. There's problems everywhere, but California, because of the... Well, I'm just going to say it. The leftist, dare I say, socialist government that we have here that's voted in by the people, they're just destroying California. I've lived here my whole life, guys. My family's been here since around 1940 or so, so I'm quite familiar with what I'm saying. If you've only moved in here within the last 10 or 20 years, you don't really know what California has been like historically. Now, I hear from a state and... Uh, I. Quite constantly, we hear from state and federal government how the high prices are caused by demand not being met uh, with enough supply. And the low supply is caused by the fact that there aren't that many homes being built and that the main cause of these homes not being built is because of state regulations, taxes, etc. Right, they rarely mention, of course, that for some reason retirees are no longer selling their homes and moving to more favorable states the way they used to. Um, that's kind of a different subject, um, although the lack of older homes on the market affects the supply shortage. They also talk about the fact that they allow non-citizens to also purchase property as investment. We see a lot of, especially Chinese nationals, purchasing properties here in, in Southern California and using them as investment rental properties. I mean, you'll have homes they're paying cash for $1.5, $1.8 million homes in affluent neighborhoods and then renting them out for $5,000 a month. Uh, all right, this is something that isn't allowed or at least made very difficult in most other countries, especially the Asian nations, uh, Asian countries. Uh, but still, to some extent, you hear from both sides of the political aisle that the sole issue is that new homes are not being built. And this is true, but what you never hear them talk about is the demand side of the equation. Why is that? 
I don't know, but we're going to talk about it briefly here or for a little bit here. But of course, where I live, there isn't much open land left to build on. And they've kind of begun to build upwards and increase the density of the population. So I'm not sure where they would even build more new homes if they could. Um, I mean, there's a lot of open land uh, in California to build houses, but there isn't any work there. Kind of important for growing families and working middle class that you want buying these homes. So instead, they cram more people into a small place. And this causes what's called the diseconomy of scale. And this is an economics term, but it can apply to cities as well. When there's a great number of resources, people are attracted to that area for work, play, etc. However, eventually you end up with too many people. There's a the, the scales they tip, and it's no longer beneficial for productive citizens to live in these areas. You see it in the form of traffic congestion. I mean, LA is number one in the world. They beat out Moscow for traffic. Overuse of the infrastructure, more water uses, more garbage, also more crime. Now, crime increases dramatically. But anyway, I'm sorry, I don't want to get on a tangent with that. I don't want to start ranting about that because really what I want to talk about is staying with housing prices. Now, before I get into my rant here about the housing prices, I need need you to understand just a little about economics, specifically supply and demand. Now, I'm not an expert, okay? I'm not an economist, um, and and I, but I understand some of the basics. And I'm going to try and explain these a little bit as I see them, okay? So I don't have any visual aids because this is audio-only podcast, so please bear with me. And uh, if you really want to get a good explanation of economic principles, I, I really recommend you go to, uh, over to YouTube and check out Jacob Clifford's channel. He does a pretty good job explaining these topics in a way that's pretty easy to understand. But anyway, all right, so here it is. In your mind's eye, imagine a graph with the price of the product on the left, and on the bottom is the quantity of the product, all right? So it's kind of an XY axis grasp. If you plotted the supply on this graph, you would see a sloping line that started in the lower left-hand corner at the lowest price with the lowest quantity, and it slopes, slopes upward to the right. You can even imagine a straight diagonal line going from bottom left to upper right if you want. Now, as price changes, the supply points, they move up and down this curve. But that's not all that happens with this curve. There are incidents that can occur that cause the whole curve to shift, thus affecting all the points along the curve. All right, so let me explain. If you were suddenly able to produce more product at a better price through, say, new technology and thus increasing the supply overall, then the curve would shift to the right and subsequently decrease the price of the products at all of that product on all points of that curve. So would it just stay this way? No, there's always there's also something called the demand called demand and it has its curve and it's plotted on the same graph except that it begins in the upper left of the graph where the price is highest and the quantity lowest and it slopes downward to the right. Where the two curves intersect is what's called market equilibrium. So when the supply curve shifts to the right, prices go down and so does the point of market equilibrium. As demand increases, supply decreases, prices rise, but eventually they reach equilibrium once again. Well, what's happening in California and other places around the nation, I'm just using California as an example because I'm very familiar with it, is the opposite of what I just said, plus some. See, on the supply side, there's not enough homes to meet demand. There's a shortage, most definitely caused by taxes, regulations, retirees not moving, etc. All these things, the politicians, they, they talk about these things, and they're true, all right? These restrictions cause the supply curve to shift to the left. This causes all prices to increase at all points along the curve. I hope you're still following me here. So 
Now, if this was all that was happening, then the demand would respond to high prices, the demand would decrease, increasing the supply and subsequently bringing the cost of homes down until they reach equilibrium once again, albeit still at a higher price than before. But, and this is what people fail to see, the demand curve is also being manipulated in the same way that the supply curve is being manipulated. Subprime lending, government aid, special financing, allowing you to count your children's incomes, all these all cause the demand curve to shift to the right, increasing the demand along all points on the curve and subsequently keeping the market equilibrium very high because the point now at where they cross is always kept high. So in other words, when supply decreased and prices went up, people should have stopped purchasing homes because they simply couldn't afford them anymore. At one point in the past, not that long ago, actually, if you're a Gen Xer, it's within your memory easily. At one point in the past, you likely were not going to get a loan for more than about two or three times your annual income. In other words, in the 90s, if you made $100,000 a year, let's say, which would have been a high salary for the 90s, you know, but not unheard of, uh, you would likely not get a loan for more than about two or $300,000. Nowadays, it's not uncommon for a household with a combined income of about 150K, including their kids' income that are living with them, okay, to get a loan for $650,000 with as little as 3.5% down or even zero down in some cases. And they could even qualify for additional money from the government to be used for upgrades. Well, as well, I'm going to tell you, cities across the state, they provide special loans and even provide low-income families with a down payment as well as the home loan. So what happens in the market? Well, when supply decreases, prices go up. And rather than the demand going down in response to this price increase, the government steps in, gives the consumer the ability to still buy that same home that they really aren't qualified for, and the seller has no need to lower their price in order to sell. So I, I hope this makes sense. I hope you're able to visualize what I just described. Uh, visualizing these two curves and how increasing the supply and the demand in the market as a whole causes these to shift and that market equilibrium price to move up. Again, I'm by no means an economist, but I have studied this in school and so I know a little something about it. And you can look it up for yourself, but I mean, you know, I'm no farmer either, but I can still smell manure a mile away. Okay, so you don't have to be an economist to understand this and see what's going on. Okay, now that we've got a little information about what's happening, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tell you how I feel about this a little bit. What the heck are people thinking? They're ruining the housing market for so many people. Either they can't purchase because the thought of a three to $4,000 a month house payment is horrifying, so they flee to a state with more favorable housing market, or they get so in debt that they can't even afford to maintain their home because they spend all their money on the mortgage. Plus, I hate to tell you this, folks, but home ownership, it's not a right. Scream and yell at me, get it out of your system now, because I'm going to tell you again, it's not a right, period. It's not a right any more than a job is a right. Oh, sure, you have a right to work. No one should be able to deny you the right because of race, sex, religion, whatever. But you don't have a right to a specific job. That you have to earn. It's the same with home ownership. Nobody has a right to keep you from buying a home, but it's something you need to earn. You don't have a right just to own it at any cost, no matter what. Let me tell you a story. And this is why I get kind of mad about this, all right? 
when I first got married and started a family, I mean, we were we were pretty darn young and we we're pretty much poor. All right, I mean, I was 21, got married, had my first daughter. We didn't have much money, okay? But I put my nose to the grindstone. I began to work hard and try and earn a path upward. It was slow, but I believe that the road to success was hard work and patience and devotion to my God and my family. My goal was to purchase a home someday. As I began to talk to several parents at my daughter's kindergarten, she had gotten older, right? I had two kids now, by the way. And the first one, when she got to kindergarten, I started to talk to a lot of the parents who were kind of, some of them were about my age, some of the younger ones. And I started to talk to them and I was surprised at how many of them, they owned their own home already. So I began to ask more questions thinking that maybe there was something I was doing wrong. I mean, I began to hear this number from all of them. You know, all these moms telling me $40,000. That was a down payment they were all able to make on their homes. $40,000. When I heard this, I was crushed. I mean, come on. 40 grand, they may as well be a million. They may as well be a billion when you're only making, you know, $30,000 a year, $32,000 a year, supporting a family on that. How was I ever going to come up with that much money? Well, then it began to dawn on me that they all said the same number. Every one of them, 40,000, 40,000, 40,000. So I started to look into this a little further. And I found that the city I lived in, well, they had a home purchase program for low-income families. And in fact, all the surrounding cities did as well. If you made under a certain amount, then you could finance a home. And in fact, also finance the down payment. They, was, they gave you what was called a mini, a mini mortgage and they gave you 40 grand. So you started out with a, a mini mortgage, a, a second, if you will. And you had five years to refinance and roll it all into one. I, I mean, and guess what? How much did they give you for the down payment? You guessed it, 40 grand. Now, we were hardworking, my wife and I, and you know we were still in kind of the low, we were definitely still in that lower class income bracket, but we were rising, you know, I think God honors hard work and patience, and we were rising, so I thought, hey, you know, I pay a lot in taxes. Um, if my taxes are providing this, then why not get it now? I know, I know, I was young. I hadn't yet gained as much self-respect as I have now, Okay, but, but anyway, that's beside the point. I called the city and I inquired about the program. Well, I was quickly informed that I made too much money. The heck you say? Too much money? What was the cap, I asked. Well, they informed me that you needed to make below $24,000 a year. Obviously, I wasn't happy about this. In all honesty, if you make that little annually, I'm sorry, you simply shouldn't be purchasing a home. I gotta be honest with you, even at 32 or whatever I was making at that time, probably shouldn't have been purchasing a home either. Again, home ownership, folks, not a right. And I'm not trying to sound harsh. I'd love to see everyone work hard and buy their own home. I mean, in spite of what the millennials may think, all right, it really is the American dream. But you know what? You know what's also very American? Liberty. Yeah. Do you know what liberty means? Uh, well, it's used in several ways, but ultimately, the definition of liberty means the power of choice. And you're responsible for your own choices. You should be able to reap the rewards of good choices. You should make good choice. You should make a, a, the good choice to work hard. Be frugal. Save your money. That way, you can purchase a home. But on the flip side, you need to hold yourself responsible for your poor choices, guys. You need to, you, if you spend foolishly or make bad career choices, then you need to pay the consequences. I'm getting a little, a little off topic a little bit here, but the point is that the government needs to stop fanning the flames of demand. 
In fact, they need to get their greedy little hands out of the economy for the most part. Banks need to stop lending to people who can't afford it. The federal government needs to stop helping people who haven't earned it. That's it. Take pride in your work. Be patient. Make good choices and learn from your mistakes. Guys, we all make mistakes. It's okay to fall on your face. Just don't do it again. You want to know how to be successful in America? Look, I'm going to tell you how because there's statistics that show exactly how to be successful. And that if you follow this, you will not be poor in America. Number one, at least, at the very least, graduate high school. All right, college is better, but at least graduate high school. College isn't a definite, by the way. You could go to trade school and do very well. So number one, I'm going to repeat it, at least graduate high school. Number two, get off your butt and get a full-time job. Work hard, guys. Get a full-time job. Number three, get married before you have children and stay married. That's it. Graduate high school. Get a full-time job. Get married and love your wife. That's it. Statistics show you're not going to be poor in America if you do those things. And as far as how to fix the housing price, pricing, uh, I'm sorry, the housing price problem. Well, government needs to stop listening to their stinking Keynesian economists that they have on staff. Stop playing with the economy and let the market fix it. It might be painful, but the longer you wait, the more painful it's going to be. But the way I, the, what's happening is they're trying to avoid the pain, and people are trying to avoid the pain by giving the government more power, more power, more power. Guys, just you Gen Xers, guys. Hey, the Soviet Union is still within your memory. We lived at the end of the Cold War. Remember, pass it on. Those guys collapsed. It was horrific. We're heading the same direction. Stop giving this government so much power. Start fearing your government having that much power. What can you do to try and stop this? Simple. Get out there and be responsible for your actions. Stop voting these idiots into office. Guys, they aren't social power seekers, all right, who have your best interest in mind. They're all personal power seekers whose only goal is to get reelected. You need to stop thinking of voting as your right and start thinking of it as your duty. It's your duty to vote in people who are going to do the best for all of us. All of us, not just you. All right? Most of these guys, uh, most of them, they've moved so far to the left, they become socialist in their way of thinking. And before you even think about arguing for socialism, stop and realize that history, and this is a fact, history has proven that you are wrong about every single good thing you make up about socialism. It has always and always will lead to ruin. No, guys, the Nordic model, there are no socialist Nordic countries. They're all free market capitalists with a massive welfare entitlement state. And they crush their citizens with taxes. That's why, by the way, if they find out, well, well these Nordic countries, the, the, the people are happier, their standard of living is so much higher than it is here. Oh yeah, only to those people who haven't left. They're small communities. By the way, very different culture, very small community, not as many people live in there. But you know, when they come here and they bring that work ethic and that culture to the United States where they are absolutely free under free market capitalism without the, we complain about taxes, there's a lot worse without that horrific tax burden they have in their Nordic countries, they have a higher standard of living and a higher quality of life than they did in their previous country. Guys, that's it. 
You need to go back and study civics. You need to go back and study history. You need to stop thinking just about yourself and start thinking of these things as duties. Start being responsible for yourself. We do this. We're running out of time. We can get these guys out of office. We can get things fixed. Thank you for listening. That's all for today. God bless. <music>